1: This is Culture Tuesday on Radio Maria. Thank you for joining us today. I am looking forward to sharing with you all about another book that we have coming our way. It's just been released this summer and it is Roy Peachy's Meg and the Great British History Mystery. It just rolls off the tongue. The Great British History Mystery. Earlier this year, we spoke about Roy Peachy's uh, little book of British saints and how much fun that was. Well, I've got a special treat for you today, my friends. It's not just going to be me talking about Roy Peachy's book. I've got Roy Peachy as well. Good, Hello, Roy. Welcome to the programme.
0: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be here.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's lovely to have you. Before we get into it, let's say a quick prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Open our hearts to letting you work through us. Share with us, to all the listeners, what you need them to hear with this programme. Open their hearts and their ears to hearing what you want them to hear through our words lord i ask that you uh come to roy as he shares all his good lovely lovely stories and lord we ask that all people that are listening that might have a story in their heart give them help this program bring them the confidence to share their stories as well in your name we pray amen okay roy before I, let, I bring you on let me do the proper thing all right ladies and gentlemen let me tell you a bit about Roy Peachy uh Roy Peachy oh he has he he has we've shared many books about him on Radio Maria and he is a, a lovely lovely gentleman and I've I've lost my bio about Roy. oh I know Roy forget it I'm not gonna talk about you I'm gonna let you share Roy who are you what, what are you doing you write books you draw who are you?
0: So I am a, um, I'm a father, first and foremost, I guess, and I'm the author of eight books now, um, which is quite exciting. And I'm also a school teacher and a home educator. Um, yeah, I think uh, I've done a few pictures for this particular book, um, which you kind of mentioned along with, um, with an, uh, a couple of other fantastic artists. So my, my efforts on the artistic front are very much amateur, but my, my main focus is on writing books, teaching, um, both in school and at home.
1: I love it. Are you still teaching in school or are you retired?
0: I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not retired. I'd just like to get that out there for my employers, just <laughs> in case they're wondering. Um, I'm, I'm still teaching, yes. I'm teaching part-time. Um, I'm helping with the home education part-time and I'm fitting in the, the writing whenever I've got a spare moment.
1: Oh, it sounds like a full time vocation of spreading good stories and opening the minds of our people of all different ages. Because you've you've got books that are for young, young people. Well, like as an eight, nine, ten. And then you've also got older books, like the race or 50 books for life. Many books you've got. So you continue to inspire all ages as well.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I've, yeah, it's fun actually. I've tried to, so I've written a few books for adults, um, a few books on, as you say, on, on good literature to recommend to people on Catholic education. Um, and then also various books for children. So a history book, um, Pope's Emperors and Elephants, um, for children. Well, that was really a crossover book works for children and for adults. That one, um, the race for slightly older children, about the story of Eric, the, Eric Liddell, of chariots of fire fame. Um, and then this book of British Saints that you mentioned is really aimed at the younger audience, um, really introducing them to some of the very well-known British saints, but also some of the, the, the less known ones who are still really worth hearing about with some uh, lovely pictures from Michelle Pitt in that one.
1: Oh, yes, Michelle Pitt. Big shout out. We loved your illustrations in A Little Book of British Saints. And we were pleased to see another illustration uh, that you've done for the cover of Meg and the Great British History Mystery. (laughs) All right, let's get straight into this book, Roy. So people have been saying that it's, uh, Fiola Nash has said that it's an enthralling adventure that brings a mysterious mysterious world of ancient Britain to life. Now, in one of your quotes on the back, uh, the dad says, oh, is this the history of Britain? And they're like, no, 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 it is the stories of Britain. What's the difference, Roy?
0: Yeah, well, the difference <laughs> is that um, some of these very, very early stories about Britain, like where does Britain get its name from um, are really lost in, in the, the myths mists of time um, so as history they you know they're, they're a little bit dubious but there's, they're just great stories there's some wonderful stories out there um, about Brutus, for example, who um, was a relative of Aeneas who escapes from Troy Aeneas sets up Rome um, and the rest is history there but then Geoffrey of Monmouth comes along much later in Britain and thinks, well, okay, we want to tap into this story as well. So uh, the story he tells is about Brutus coming from Italy to Britain, um, defeating the giants who run Britain at that point. Um, So again, historically, this is slightly dubious, uh, but again, another great story. Uh, And once he's cleared out the, the giants, um, Albion, as it was then called, as the island was then called, gets renamed after Brutus. That's where the name Britain comes from, according to Geoffrey of Monmouth. Um, so, of course, th- this story is, is not taught as, as history, but it seems to me that there are that story, and many others like it, are really worth telling. So the way in which we understand our own country, I think, is is partly shaped by the history, but it's also greatly shaped by the stories by, by the myths. And those go right back to you know, Brutus and, and even earlier. And then they come forward to stories of King Arthur and Robin Hood and so on. Um, and there's a mix in those of, of history and, uh, and story. Uh, but I think they're, they're really worth telling and retelling. And it's surprising how many children these days don't know some of those foundational British myths so in Meg and the Great British History Mystery, one of the things I wanted to do was to um, retell the stories, but in a, in a modern form, in a way that would be accessible for children today.
1: Oh, what does that mean? Is, is there like a computer that takes Meg back into time with a time travel multi-universe kind of thing? How do you do it in your book?
0: Uh, no computers, <laughs> no. So, um, but it's, it, the story revolves around Meg, um, who is a young girl who's part of a, a, a large family. And they, they move house at the start of the book to a new area. It's all a bit, little bit unsettling for her. Um, and she falls asleep on the first night in her a new house and starts to have some very, very strange, very vivid dreams, um, very realistic dreams. And she feels that she's you know, right in there. It's, it's more vivid than a, an ordinary dream. Um, And what gradually becomes apparent is that she is, in fact, dreaming these stories of Britain. So the stories develop as she spends time in this new house. And gradually, and and really importantly, the rest of the family get drawn into these dreams as well. So one of the things I wanted to do in the book was to write a, a story about a family. I think so many children's books focus on children who are cut off in some way from their parents. Um, You never really see the parents at all. And in this book, I wanted to bring the parents and the rest of the family, as I say, it's a large family, back into the story. Um, And I was partly inspired by Frank Cottrell Boyce in in this. So Frank Cottrell Boyce, great children's author, currently writing, um, good Catholic as well. And he, he talks about reading Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Uh, most people don't read Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. They see the film, which is a, a real corruption of the original. Oh, if you no. look at the original.: story, I love the
1: film, Roy. Oh, no. It oh, no.
0: But the book's better. The okay, book good, is good. much better. Read the book as well. Add it to my and seat. it's about a family that goes on these, on these great adventures together. And so when Frank Cottrell Boyce was writing the, the, the sequels to these, he was very clear about the fact that it had to be a, a new family going on these adventures together. That's really unusual. In, in children's literature so i wanted to do something of that in this book so it starts with meg then the rest of the family gets drawn in and on the way uh, i won't i won't give too many details because it will spoil the ending and um, they gradually start to learn more and more about the significant early stories of britain leading up to the moment when britain becomes christian and uh, and that changes the whole nature of the of the stories that are told. Oh,
1: I love that. I love that. In one of the reviews they specifically say that it is a catholic family. I mean, in the book are they constantly crossing themselves? What significant? why how do what are some little clues that the listeners can get that they're a catholic family or is it just a christian family and that review person just like read too deeply into it?
0: <laughs> yeah, is I was trying to get the right balance here. So what you'll find a lot of the time is that religion gets completely written out of children's fiction. Mm. Um, and it just, y- you can't mention it at all, which is, which is strange. So I'm uh, really delighted. Isaiah Books, um, wonderful, small press. Um, I was able to, to write just openly about, about matters of faith, which is, which is superb. So do check out Isaiah Books, um, isaiahbooks.co.uk, really worth looking at. But on the other hand, I didn't want to be hammering people over the head um, with with matters of faith either. So, um, yes, there are times when Meg and the rest of the family pray. um, And that's I didn't want to write that out. Um, There is a a Catholic priest is one of the characters in the book. um, And he's a very sort of engaging um, character. Um, and as I say, it's the, the arc of the story. So the whole point about the story is it's an adventure. I mean, it's a mystery. It's, you know, it's, it's got to work as an adventure for children. But the arc of the adventure takes you ultimately to St. Alban and the story of St. Alban, the first Christian martyr whose name we know in Britain. Um, and that story, if you like, kind of puts everything else in perspective. It kind of launches the, the Christian stories of Britain but it also um, helps you to interpret what's gone before and make sense of what's gone before as well. So it's, it's very much about telling a story and that's, that's really important. Um, But within that storytelling, yes, there is prayer. There's a Catholic priest and um, there are prayers to the saints, you know, and that sort of thing. So it's, it is a Catholic family here.
1: I love that, I love that, Roy. Especially because, so my family, when... (laughs) We're not very good at reading books, but when we watch films where we see little snippets of Catholic life of, oh, they're sitting there or Christian life where they sit down and they say prayers before dinner, just little things like that always spark something in my boys. And like, oh, we do that. Oh, we do. And it, it normifies their life. And it also kind of is like, oh, it's also a great way of letting them talk to their friends about it as well. Like, oh, in this uh, new thing that oh uh, so it was Lion King that we were we watched it and we specifically pointed out all these Christian things in it and it it opened a way for them to talk about their faith openly to pe- to their peers and it was something that their peers could understand as well so i l- keep doing it roy keep sl- not slipping but letting that be a part of the story
0: thank you thank you yeah so i th- i mean, I wrote, when i read the race about eric little and there was a story which was um you know eric little wasn't a Catholic, he was, a, he was a Protestant missionary back in China after the Olympics. Um, so that was, that was a, an important, slightly different story to tell. Um, although one of the characters he met in the prison camp in China, when he eventually ended up there, was, was, was a Catholic priest and he appears in the story. So again, it's, it's partly about dropping these characters in. Um, as you say, it's normalising it because you know, it is normal.
1: <laughs> it's life, it's life. All right, everyone, this is Culture Tuesday, and today I have Roy Peachy on speaking about Meg and the great British history mystery. Roy Peachy is an author, teacher, and home educator. He's got a history history degree from Oxford, an English degree from the Open University, And a Chinese studies degree from SOAS, SOAS, University of London. He's currently working on a PhD in theology at the University of Nottingham. And he lives in the south of England with his wife, children, and various animals. Today, again, we're talking about Meg and the Great British History Mystery, which you can find... uh, on Isaiah books. It's in different bookshops as well, but figure if you want to get a copy, the best way is to go to the source, isaiahbooks.co. Dot uk lots of animals roy lots of animals there's a certain big animal <laughs> well not a, not like a dinosaur <laughs> but um there's a, a certain large dog that is part of this family so you've got the family which is a large family but a large dog as well you've got large dogs as well is that right roy or are they small
0: i've got small dogs small dogs Yeah. two small dogs Cat. Why,
1: why a big dog? Why a big dog for the story? Is it because you secretly wanted a big dog in your life? So you let Meg oh, no, have no. one.
0: Think, again, just in case my, my family are listening, I just want to make it really clear that I don't want a big dog. Um, so, no, I, I'm not particularly a, a, a pet person at all, but my the rest of my family really are uh, in a big way. So gradually, um, I, animals have appeared in our house and I've been uh, unable to do anything about it. So... Uh, I suppose, to a certain extent in the book, I was just taking it a step further and seeing where we could go with this. Um, it's a little bit of hyperbole. This but is- I, I, it's, it, again, it seemed just to fit in with this particular family. They're large, they're larger than life. They, they're quite um, wild in a, in a positive way. And it seemed to me that they would be precisely the family who would have a, a Newfoundland dog. as this great big hairy beast.
1: And the family, the new place that Meg moves to is Barton Leclay or Leclay. How do you say it? I'm, I'm Leclay. In a, Leclay. That, that doesn't sound very British to me. Maybe it does to, to our listeners. Why? Is that a certain reason that they moved there? Is it, there's a historical influence? Why Barton Leclay?
0: Yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a couple of reasons. It's, uh, it is a, it's a lovely little place in Bedfordshire. And the reason for it is because I I need to explain about the history of the book. So I was involved a a little bit with the setting up of Regina Chaley Academy in Bedford um, or near Bedford, um, really wonderful institution. Um, And we were looking around for uh, books to suggest to uh, the students that would accompany the history course. And We couldn't quite find exactly the, the ones we wanted at first. And so one of the one of the mums said to me, "Well, you know, I think you should write one." And <laughs> uh, and in that slightly perhaps I don't know weak moment, um, I I thought, well, oh, yeah, that's a good idea." So I started to write this book a, a chapter at a time, and then I would I emailed it through to her and her her children who who kindly read it a chapter at a time. So I felt like I was Charles Dickens, um, although the writing's not quite of the same quality, I'm afraid, and. Uh, at that point the Regina Chaley Academy was had been set up in Barton Le Clay so it seemed to make sense to set it there and the family the surname of the family is Barton so it was the Bartons of Barton Le Clay that seemed to have a quite a nice ring to it but also it's actually a really interesting place because as you say the name's the name's French and it's uh, lots of British history has happened in that region over time. So one of the things I wanted to explore in the book was the way in which history gets hidden. It almost gets lost beneath the surface. And one of our jobs as as teachers, as parents, is to kind of uncover it for and, and with our children. And sometimes it is very obvious there on the on the surface, and sometimes it is not. So if you dig deep, if you look at the deep history of of Britain, you'll find that actually there is all sorts going on from um, prehistory through to uh, the Normans and, and beyond there.
1: I love that. I love that, Roy. I really, really love that. Because, side note, when, whenever we go on journeys with the children, they're always like digging. I think they have this thing for rocks or something. I don't know. But they're digging and they're looking. And I'm always one of those people that l- loves a list of things to find. And so when we dig, we find more. And in a way, you learn more. And just like, oh, I love that that's how your, your book is pushing that. Barton Leclay. Put that on my place to visit. No, well, uh, so so you mentioned uh, King Arthur, Robin Hood, Saint Alban. Uh, does King Arthur uh, make an appearance in with Meg and her great British mystery history? History mystery. Um,
0: no, he, he doesn't. I mean, there's just a kind of little hint of it in that on the front cover of Geoffrey of Monmouth's History of the Kings of Britain, which is mentioned as a significant book in the in the book. Um, there are a couple of dragons fighting and uh, this is kind of left as a bit of a teaser at the end um who are these dragons why are they fighting and and that story is an arthurian story um so there is there is the potential for the story to be continued um i haven't written any more yet um and i don't know if i will or not but anyway there's there's the potential to take it further and uh the arthurian stories would be in a sense a logical next step they come they come out of that world which existed once the romans left britain
1: is it wales that you're talking about with the two dragons fighting
0: that's right. Yeah.
1: Yes, I win the day. <laughs> take that. I tell you what, Roy, for anybody that's taking the America, uh, the becoming a British person or whatever test, which I had to take, I think this book would probably be very helpful <laughs> with the history section. But Roy, let's, um, there's a section of the book. Would you? Would you do us the the? Would you bless us, or would you do us? There wouldn't be a blessing. This sorry. Would you do this? Uh, would you do us a favor and read a bit of the book for us, like a little portion? Give us a little teaser to to make us want it some more.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'll just read you a short section near the start where um, the the family's pets are being introduced, and uh, through the family's pets, perhaps you get a little idea of some of the characters in the family too. So. One of my favourite characters when I was writing The Race was, was the dad. Um, and uh, the dad in this story is also similarly um, larger than life as well. So um, what we've got here is, is Gog, this Newfoundland dog. He belongs to the whole family, but he and I, Meg says, have a special bond. That's what mum says. Gog the dog. The name was dad's idea. It was his idea to call our cat Hattie too. Because she's a catty, he explained. We've got a tortoise too, but she's not really ours. We're looking after her for Grandma because she's not too well at the moment and can't really spare the time to care for tortoises. She's called Ethel, the tortoise that is, not Grandma. But that didn't stop Dad. He insists on calling her Plautus, even though she's a girl. You see, once he's got an idea in his head, there's no shifting him. And one of his most fixed ideas is that our pets' names have to rhyme with the type of animal they are. I'm just glad he never bought us a rabbit. He knows what he'd have called it? Anyway, Gog was our dog, and I was in charge of him while we moved. This was not as straightforward as it might sound because Gog is a Newfoundland. If you don't know much about dogs, I need to tell you that it means he's big, really big. Hercules Morse is as big as a horse, that sort of big. He eats more than any of us, and has 10 times as much energy. So looking after Gog is like being in charge of an overexcited bear.
1: Oh, lovely. Oh, oh I'm looking forward to getting my hands on the book myself. Oh, Gog rides a dog. All right, uh, Roy, can I ask one more thing? Um, so this... The book is very much about the family, like you said, going on this journey, this adventure, this, this mystery detective finding out more and more about our history. And the, the making of the book, as you shared, was a bit of a family thing as well, but even more so because there's some illustrations inside the book, some by you and some by this young woman, um, Anna May Peachy, who is she Roy?
0: So Anna-Mae is one of my daughters um, and she's a much more talented artist than I am. So yeah we thought it might be a quite a nice idea if we worked on some pictures for the book together. So we we divvied it up between us. We we sat down and planned what would be good pictures to head each chapter and um, and I sort of painstakingly slaved away at mine and <laughs> and she zoomed through and 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 dashed off some much better pictures uh, for her section so that was really nice actually to work on it as a bit of a family project together and then as you say Michelle Pitt um, created this lovely front cover for us as well so uh, very much a group effort and, uh, and my daughter also she's actually a very good proofreader so um, she helped edit the book and, and proofread it as well. So it became it became much more of a family affair than some of the other books I've written.
1: I love that. I love that. Uh, I say keep going with it, Roy. The next book with the dragons fighting whales, make sure Anna Mae is coming along with the journey as well. Gog, Gog will Gog defeat the? Oh, I'm so excited to! Oh, you you've got to keep going, Roy. Uh, can you share with us just a little bit about um, how you think this book could possibly be used? So you wrote it f- to help aid the families in the Regina Celi group. Uh, could it be used? How how do you foresee them using that in their home educations?
0: Yeah, so it's a book that could work in, in lots of different ways as a you know class reader in schools or um, for home educators. It's really there as a, a a backup to historical studies. Really, it's a way of introducing um, stories of Britain um, that are, as I say, are fading away a little bit in in children's consciousness. So I think first and foremost, I see it not necessarily as an educational tool, but just as a, a fun read. It's just something that children have got to enjoy reading for the story and for its own sake. Um, but through the story, um, through the, the characters who are introduced, I and mean, we get everybody from uh, Boudica, Boudiccia, as she used to be called, um, through to um, uh, St. Alban, as I say, at the, at the end of the story. So you get various characters who, who do appear or might appear in, in history curricula As well, Um, and this just gives you a little bit of take. I suppose. Let me just give you one quick story about this. When I was at school um, many, many years ago, um, in the equivalent of year seven, we studied the Roman invasions of Britain, and uh, it was full of great detail, lovely stories about elephants invading with um, Claudius and and all sorts. When I studied history in the sixth form and I was doing my A levels, the, the history teacher rather sheepishly admitted that actually all the stuff we'd learned in year seven wasn't true. Um, And they got it from Robert Graves' book, um, Claudius the God, not realizing that it was fiction. Um, So to a certain extent, it was a disaster, but in in another way, it was great because actually I really responded at that age to the stories. And one reason that I ended up going to university to study history was because I'd been grabbed by the stories at that early age. So I think if we can engage with the, the stories, Um, even if some of those early stories are not absolutely historically 100% accurate, then we will find that our children really engage with the history when they get a little bit older.
1: I love it, Roy. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the programme. I've got one more thing to ask of you. Would you mind uh, ending our programme with a prayer?
0: Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we pray for all our children at the start of this new academic year. We pray for all those who are apprehensive this time, all those who are excited, all those who are moving on to something new. Pray for all those who are working in Catholic education, all those who are involved in writing and the media as well. And we pray that you will Guide us, help us to reappreciate the glories of our historical past, to learn more, to learn more from the British saints in particular. And we pray all this in Christ's name. St. Alban, pray for pray us. For us. Um,
1: Thank you, Roy. Again, if you'd like to know more about how you can get your hands on Meg and the great British history mystery, please visit isaiahbooks.co.uk. And for a list of Roy Peachy's other books for all ages, you can always visit his website at RoyPeachy.com. Roy RoyPeachy.com. And this has been your Culture Tuesday for today.